Well, have you ever experienced a time in life where you just felt like something was meant to be? Like maybe this last week you went to Walmart and just for fun, uh, you thought you'd check out the toilet paper aisle and amazingly there was one package left of the good stuff, not like the sandpaper kind, the, the good kind, and you just thought this was meant to be. Or maybe, maybe when, when Tom Brady threw an interception to end this last season, maybe like me, you thought, if that was the last pass he ever threw for the New England Patriots, it was just meant to be. Now, I know that we're not gathering in person, but I can hear the amens from all over town. In, in this time of confusion and uncertainty and, and chaos, in this time where we get nothing but depressing news, I, I hope that brought a laugh to, to some of us. I, I know we could use a, a laugh in days like these, but, but that idea of feeling like something was meant to be is how I feel about this sermon today. If you don't know, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here at Element. And uh, we're obviously not gathering together in person, but I am so glad that you are tuning in today. If you're new with us, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, when we're gathered together in person again, I, I do invite you to come and join us in person. We would love to have you be our guest. As long as it is recommended by our leaders, we will continue to gather together like this. But, but listen, church, we will get through this. We will. Uh, to, we'll get through this together. It's the only way we'll get through it. Together as a country, doing what we're asked to do. Together as a community, serving one another. And together as a church, uh, staying connected to one another as best we can. I would continue to challenge us and encourage us to do those four things that I asked us to do last week. To pray, to give as we are able, to serve one another, and to connect. Pray, give, serve, connect are the four things that I'm asking us to do together. We're in the middle of a sermon series called Grave Robber. And in this series, we are just walking through, in order, the miracles of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John. This week, we were scheduled to look at uh, the story of Jesus in John chapter 6, walking on the water in the midst of the storm, displaying his power over the storm. And as things began to progress, uh, rapidly progress this last week, I was actually reminded of the last sermon I preached in 2019. If you were here in person, I would ask, who remembers the last sermon I preached in 2019? But this is actually one moment. I'm glad no one is here because I don't want to know who, uh, how many people have no recollection of what I preached on that Sunday. But on that Sunday, we were ending a sermon sermon series called There Is Hope. And I preached on Jesus walking on the water in the midst of the storm and calming the storm. In fact, I even said this in the sermon, and I quote, storms are a fact of life, aren't they? No matter where you live, at some point or in some way, you're going to encounter a storm. Loss of a job, sickness or disease, death of a loved one, whatever it is, we all face storms. As much as we would love there to be no storms in life in 2020, which that would have been awesome, 
That's probably not going to be the case. All of us are going to face some kind of storm. Storms are coming. That was the last message I preached in 2019. And when I realized what I said to end the year, combined with what we are facing in life today and the scripture that we were already scheduled to look at, I felt like what I started this sermon with, that this message was just meant to be. It was meant to be. Now, you might be watching and you don't believe in God at all, so you might be saying, well, that's all just coincidence. And I'm totally okay with that. I'm totally fine if that was coincidence. It it very well may be a total coincidence that what I preached on the last Sunday of 2019 lined up with what we are facing today and the scripture that we were going to preach on. And, And you're free to believe that if you want to. In fact, you're free to not even believe in God at all. It's not gonna change how I feel about you or how our church feels about you. We will love you just the same. But for me, for me, I don't think it was a coincidence. Not that what I said has anything to do with what's happening uh, today or why it's happening. I just believe it's one of those small ways that God is speaking to me in the storm. It's one of the small ways that God is speaking to us in the midst of the storm. The Bible talks a lot about storms, by the way. Uh, One of the reasons I believe so much in the Bible is it doesn't sugarcoat reality. The Bible never promises us a a pain-free, problem-free, storm-free life, not even for those of us who believe in God. In fact, if anything, the Bible is clear that storms are coming. Proverbs 10, verse 25 says this, when the storms of life come, Not if they come, when they come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. And what is that foundation? Well, the foundation is not a what, it's a who. Our foundation in the storm is Jesus. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus says this to his disciples. Ultimately, he says this to us. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Or in other words, you're going to have lots of storms. But take heart because I have overcome the world. That yes, Jesus promised us that we would have storms in life, but he also promised that in him we can have peace. That in him there is hope. In Jesus we have a firm foundation. Does anyone need peace these days? Could anyone go for some hope? In a world that seems to literally be changing by the hour, does anyone need a firm foundation to stand on? I know I do. I need a firm foundation. So here's the big idea for today. It's actually the exact same big idea I ended 2019 with, and it's this. Jesus is our hope because he's our foundation in the storm. Jesus is our hope because he is our foundation in the storm. So here's the big question I wanna hopefully encourage us us with today. It's this, how is Jesus 
our foundation in the storm. How is Jesus our foundation in the storm? When everything else around us is shaken, how is he our foundation? The main scripture is Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, and I, I know we're supposed to be in John, but hang with me, I'll explain that. Uh, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament portion of the Bible. Uh, both Matthew and John were part of the 12 disciples of Jesus, so when they wrote their letters, their gospels, uh, they were both eyewitness accounts to the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Many people, not everyone, but many people believe that Matthew's account here in chapter 14 is a parallel account to the same story John records in John chapter 6. If they are the same account, the same stories, Matthew shares a lot more detail, which is why I'm choosing Matthew today. If they are not the same story, if they are actually two different accounts of Jesus walking on the water in a storm, the reality is the, the truth of the message I want to share today, the truth of both of these passages remains the same, whether they're the same story or not. And the truth is, Jesus is our hope because he's our foundation in the storm. I would have preached the same thing, whether I preached from John 6 or Matthew 14. I think in this moment, they're both teaching us the same thing. So Matthew 14, starting in verse 22, if you're following along, says this. Immediately after this, which was the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish, it's the miracle we looked at last week. Immediately after this, Jesus intend, uh, insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, that's the Sea of Galilee, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. Jesus is our hope, because he's our foundation in the storm. So how is he our foundation? Well, the first thing I want us to see here is this. He shows us himself. That in the storm, Jesus shows us himself. In Mark's gospel, the second letter in the New Testament, another eyewitness account to this very same uh, miracle, Mark 6, verse 48b, he records this. Jesus came toward them, walking on the water, and he adds this, he intended to go past them. Other versions say he intended to pass them by, which I don't know why, but that just makes me laugh. At the very least, it seems kind of odd, doesn't it? I mean, was he just going to leave them out there in the storm? Like, hey guys, good luck, but there ain't no way I'm getting in that dinghy in this storm. It seems way safer for me to walk on the water, so I'll just see you guys on the other side. Is that what he was doing? I mean, some people might read this and think, man, Jesus is being pretty cruel, isn't he? Was his plan just to leave them out there? Uh, ironically, 
Isn't that how we often view Jesus in our own storms? As if he's just hanging us out to dry? I can tell you this is how some people are viewing Jesus in the midst of the storm our world's in right now. They are viewing Jesus as if he could do something about it, but he's just walking by, ignoring the problem as if he doesn't care. But I can promise you that's not what Jesus was doing in the story, and it's not what Jesus is doing in this cultural moment right now. When, when the Bible says he intended to pass them by, it doesn't mean he wanted to leave them there. It actually means he wanted them to see him walking on the water in the storm. He wanted them to see him as the one who is greater than the storm. He wanted to show himself. Dave Adamson who is a, a pastor and theologian, kind of deals with the, the things pertaining to Judaism in first century Israel. He's an online kind of influencer when it comes to, to theology. He said this, the phrase pass by was actually a first century symbol for God that is used throughout the Bible. In the book of Exodus, God tells Moses he needs to pass by him so that Moses can see him. God does the same thing to Elijah in the book of 1 Kings. So the idea of Jesus passing by is not meant to indicate that Jesus was ignoring them, but that he was about to reveal to them that he was God. I can't help but think, even in the midst of the storm that our world is facing today, that Jesus is not ignoring us. He's actually wanting to reveal to us who he is. He wants to reveal to us that he is the one who is greater than every storm in life. It actually leads right into what he says next in the story. Remember, when the storms of life come, and they will, Jesus is our hope because he is our foundation in the storm. So the story continues, verses 26 and 27. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. Can't blame them, right? In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. So how is he our foundation in the storm? Well, he shows us himself. Number two is this, he steadies our hearts. He steadies our hearts. I absolutely love this part of, of the story. Jesus said, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. And when you look at the original language, Greek language this was written in, it, it literally says, don't be afraid, take courage. I am is here. I am is here. And that's huge. Like so, so huge. I am was the name that God gave himself all the way back in the book of Exodus to Moses. 
When God told Moses to go back to Egypt and lead the people of Israel out of slavery from the land of Egypt, Moses said, who should I say is sending me? Like, I can't show up on Pharaoh's porch and and not tell him who's sending me. And God said this to Moses, you can tell him, I am is sending you. I am was the name God gave himself. So here the disciples were, terrified, in the midst of a storm. They they found themselves in in a helpless and hopeless situation. And Jesus came to them walking on the water to reveal himself to them. And then they were afraid. And he didn't say, take courage. I'll make the wind stop. He, he, he did eventually, but that's not what he said or what he did initially. He didn't say, take courage. I'll never let anything bad happen to you. He, he would protect them in this moment, but we already read How Jesus said, in this life, you're going to face trials and sorrows of many kinds. If he said, I'll never let anything bad happen to you, he'd be a liar. Because storms of life are coming, he said. He didn't say, close your eyes and it will all go away. He, He said, take courage. Don't be afraid. Why? I am here. I'm with you. Or even better, I am is with you. That with Jesus, God is with us in the midst of the storm. This reminds me actually of Isaiah 41 verse 10. Pastor Jared uh, led us in a song earlier that he wrote based on this verse it's one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. If you, if you call Element Church home, uh, you've heard me use it in a number of sermons, probably so much so you might be able to repeat it yourself by heart. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says this, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. That when the storms of life come, and they will, we're in one. Jesus is saying to us the same thing he said to the disciples, I am with you. I've told you all this so you'll have peace in me, the presence of Jesus. Not peace in your circumstances or peace in your surroundings, but, but peace in my presence. That, that real peace is not the absence of our problems. Real peace is the presence of Jesus in the midst of them. That, that, that I've told you this so you'll have peace. He, he steadies our hearts even in the midst of the storm, giving us peace and strength and courage and boldness. Like, here's some words of truth. We should be declaring over our lives in this storm that we are in that with Jesus, I have peace. With Jesus, I am strong. With Jesus, I have courage. With Jesus, I will be bold. Why? Because Jesus is peace and Jesus is strength and Jesus is courage and Jesus is boldness. It's who he is and he's with us. Weird transition here, but, but hang with me. I think this is important. 
Uh, the, the world's largest salt flat is in the country of Bolivia. Weird transition, I know, hang with me. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce the salt flat, but if you Google Bolivian salt flat, you can find pictures of it. During dry seasons, uh, this Bolivian salt flat looks like this picture here. Check that out. It's what a salt flat you would think looks like, just kind of barren and, and dry. But something amazing happens when it rains. Every time there is a storm, this salt flat becomes a mirror. Check out this picture here. Isn't that amazing? You can find dozens of pictures like this online. Here, this next one blew me away. Here's a picture of the salt flat at night after it rained. Reflecting the stars above. So after a storm or even in the midst of one, this otherwise dry salt flat reflects the glory and the beauty of whatever is above it. And listen, this is so, so good. As Christians, when we are in a storm like the one we are in now, we actually have the chance to reflect the glory and beauty of the only one who is above it, Jesus. We can reflect who he is. That as Christians, when the storms of life come, because he is with us, we have a chance to reflect the glory of who he is to those around us. That Jesus is our hope because he's our foundation in the storm. How is he our foundation? He shows us himself. That he is still God and he is still good. He steadies our hearts. He gives us peace and courage and strength and boldness, so much so that we, his children, begin to reflect who he is, those things, peace, courage, strength, boldness. The last thing I want us to see here is this. He strengthens our steps. That in the storm, he actually strengthens our steps. I don't know about you, but I need this today. Matthew 14, 28 through 33, this account ends with this. Then Peter called to Jesus, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Can you imagine being there in this moment? But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Immediately, Jesus, immediately, uh, Jesus reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God. They exclaimed. Notice, this is huge. When Peter walked on the water, the storm hadn't stopped yet. The wind and the waves were still crashing, but Peter, Peter just knew, if Jesus is with me, not only can I endure the storm, I can engage it, and I will not be overcome. I can walk 
on the water in the midst of the storm because he strengthens my steps. And he climbed out out of the boat, walked on the water. But as amazing as his courage and boldness was, he made the mistake a lot of us, me, a lot of times I make, he took his eyes off of the, the I am and put it on the wind and the waves. We are told when he saw the wind and waves, he began to sink. If I'm honest, church, like as your pastor, I've put my eyes on the wind and the waves a bit more this last week. Have you? I had a small freak out moment two Fridays ago when this all started to, to escalate in America. Not like freaking out that I was gonna get the virus, just freaking out over, over what in the world do we do? What do we do as a church? What do we do for people who are in need? What do I do in my own personal life for my family? How do we prepare for this? All of the decisions and ramifications of those decisions were just overwhelming to me. All of the what ifs and the endless possibilities, if I'm honest, were making me sink a little bit. That's what happened to Peter. When Peter saw the wind and waves, he began to sink. And when he, when he cried out for Christ to save him, what did Jesus do? Did he criticize him? <laughs> no. Even in that moment, when Peter took his eyes off Jesus and put it on the wind and waves, he didn't let him drown. He reached out immediately and grabbed him. And they went back to the boat. They got in the boat and the wind and the waves stopped. And the disciples said, surely you're the son of God. How did they get back in the boat? If Peter walked on the water to where Jesus was, I believe they walked on the water back to the boat while the storm was still raging, maybe even walking hand in hand with Jesus. How awesome is that? I, I need to take the hand of Jesus in this time. All of us do. Second, yes, the storm stopped when Jesus got in the boat, but the point isn't that the storm stopped. The point is they acknowledged Jesus as the only one who could stop it. Surely you are the son of God. Surely you're the only one who has the power to save us. And friends, that's still true today. Jesus is the only one with the power to save us in this time. But ultimately, it's not about being saved from the storm. Like if Jesus stopped all the storms in life, if Jesus saved us from every single storm, but we have not been saved from our sins, being saved from the storm is pointless. Doesn't even matter unless my sins are forgiven. And it was just before the biggest storm in Jesus' life and the biggest storm of these disciples' lives that Jesus would lay out his plan for dealing with our sins. On the night that Jesus was uh, betrayed by one of his disciples, arrested, brutally beaten, and then crucified for our sins. On that night, 
the night when the disciples' world was about to be flipped upside down, he would have his last meal with them. We call it the Last Supper. In just a few moments, Jesus would, would be in the Garden of Gethsemane, literally begging the Father for another way. Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, please let this cup of suffering be taken from me, but not my will, yours be done. In a few moments, the disciples would be so afraid for their lives that they would find themselves behind a locked door, terrified to even go out in public for fear of their lives. And, and while they were eating this last supper, knowing the storms that lie ahead, Jesus took some bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this, this body represents, or this bread represents my body given for you. Whenever you eat this bread, remember me. Remember me. Then he took a cup of, of wine and he passed it around the table and he says, this cup represents my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So every time you, you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. My blood poured out for you, even in your storms. I'm here not just to calm the storm, but to cleanse you of your sins. And ever since then, Christians have been remembering the sacrifice of Christ through communion. So this last Wednesday, I was out for a run and I was just praying, God, how in the world do we connect our church together when we're so disconnected? And I really felt like the Lord, not audibly, but I just felt the Lord speak to my heart. Well, what's the one thing that connects my children together even when they're disconnected, it's the body and the blood of Christ. So we're gonna do something different today. We're gonna to share communion virtually. If you need to pause the sermon and run and get something to eat, a cracker, some bread, a tortilla, I don't care what it is, uh, get something for the body and, and get something for, to represent the blood of Jesus, a drink. We're gonna take communion together. Church, this is gonna connect us. I'm praying it's gonna be a special moment for you in your home, in your, with your family. I'm praying it's a special moment for our church. So Jesus, we, we take this, this bread representing your body and we are declaring in this moment, in this storm, thank you for giving your body for us. You can eat the bread. Jesus, even in the storm, we recognize if you stopped this storm today but didn't save us from our sins, it's pointless. So yes, God, we are asking you in the name of Jesus to slow the spread of this virus. Lord, stop the storm. But beyond that, Lord, thank you for your sacrifice, for shedding your blood, for the forgiveness of our sins.
And Lord, we drink this cup acknowledging that you are God above the storm. Show yourself to us. Steady our hearts. Strengthen our steps. And Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, if there is anyone who is watching or listening that has yet to put their faith in you in this moment, may you forgive them of their sins by their faith in you, the shedding of your blood for our sins. You can drink the cup. Element Church, I love you guys so much. And I have no idea how long we're going to have to do this. But as long as we need to, I'm praying that Jesus would be our foundation in the storm. That he today would show himself to you. That he would steady your heart. And that he'd strengthen your steps. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your presence today. Lord, I thank you that you sent Jesus, yes, to have power over storms, but more importantly, to conquer sin in our life. Help us remember that, Jesus, that if, if you took away this storm, but you didn't take away our sins, it's pointless. So Lord, we thank you for salvation today. And Lord, I pray that people would put their faith in you, in fact, that they're listening right now, Lord, they can say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean, make me new. Come into my heart. Give me power to live my life for you every single day. And Jesus, even if you don't take away this storm, my trust is in you. Save me from my sins. Jesus, may that be our heart's cry for all of us today. Even in the storm, we praise you. We thank you. It's in your holy, powerful name we pray. Amen.